You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut to the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, it's Katie with the Nursepreneur Podcast, and today I have Alex Membrio, like quesadilla. No, that didn't work so well, but anyway, um, Alex is the CEO of Cardinal, which is a digital marketing agency that is focused on growing multi-location companies. Um, so he has tons and tons of experience in the marketing space and deals with medical professionals in their practices as well. So I'm really excited to hear everything he has to say about this. So welcome, Alex, and thanks so much for coming on. Katie, thanks for having me on. This is going to be a blast. Anything we can do to help the medical field and entrepreneurship in general, I mean, uh, those are my two favorite things. So this will be fun. <laughs> well, why don't you start off by telling Telling us more about your company and what you do and how you help medical people. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, medical, the healthcare arena is changing a lot in the way that we reach out to consumers now. So, generally, over the last, you know, well, since the medical, uh, the healthcare industry started, we've been very referral driven, right? And so, if you were an orthopedic surgeon, you relied on the PCP to send you a new patient. Well, things have changed. I don't have to go to my PCP anymore. I'm just going to go to Google and type in knee surgery or I tore my ACL and see what happens. I'll find my orthopedic surgeon myself. So with the retailification of the medical industry happening very quickly, we found ourselves right in the middle of it. We've had uh, our first client 10 years ago was a PCP group that started with one location. I think they're three now, still a client. And they came to us and they said, we want to generate more patients online. We said, okay, so let's launch Google and Facebook ads. Uh, and so we did that for them, and that's how they generate the majority of their business. They've cut out the majority of their billboards, TV, everything out of home, and they mostly just do digital. That's the power of it. And that's what we do. We help medical groups, everything from an eight-location neurosurgery clinic to 160-location dental group, uh, find more patients online. You just said so much in that, and I, I'm going to break it down a little bit, but, you know, first of all, did you coin that word like retailification? Is that something you came up with? That was pretty good. <laughs> trademark it. <laughs> you can take it's it. It's a trademark it. Um, but I think that's a huge part of what the medical community has missed. And I would say like 90%, probably more of practices are still relying on that kind of old model of, let me, you know, take the primary care physician out to dinner once a, a year and, and just in, had that relationship. So he refers me everything. But, I, you know, I did this with eye care, like I was online, like, let me find my my ophthalmologist. And I went with the, the ophthalmologist that made it the simplest for me to make an appointment and just show up because that's all I wanted to do. Um, so I mean, this is a huge. Yeah the medical community is really missing this part of it. Um, what yeah. do you see like when you, when you are looking for doctors or, or just kind of in general doing research on your, your new clients, like what are you seeing that they're still doing out there? Um, well, a lot of the physician liaison stuff, which I think is still important, boots on the ground, still important. You know, it's important for that neurosurgery or orthopedic group to still go to the PCPs, neurologists, chiros, like whoever's referring you guys. And I think the boots on the ground is still important. Uh, but the majority of patients nowadays need really, you, you hit the nail on the head there, ease of access, right? So I want to go online. I don't want to have to call you and sit through prompts. Let me make the appointment online. 
Uh, and so we're really trying to get all of our clients to um, have online scheduling, call recording that, or um, uh, call centers that can really quickly take the, take the appointment and have that process for anyone who really does want to call. And then our next evolution with the medical community is tracking leads all the way through to patients. And that's what we're not doing in the medical field yet. All we know is how much we spend on advertising and how many leads we drove to the call center or online through the patient appointment request forms. But we don't know how many of those people actually showed up or the downstream impact of the revenue. Uh, and so that's kind of the next evolution. But I think for your audience, just starting with getting some Google ads up and getting our reputation built the correct way online is going to be really important. I mean, we've got to take the foundational steps before we're going with all the crazy stuff. Now, um, and for my audience in particular, because I've heard a lot of them, they'll say, well, I, you know, I, I pulled, I did a Google ad by myself or something or Facebook ads and they didn't quote unquote work. Um, and, you know, I think some of them are just driving people to their website, but maybe their website's not designed properly to accept that traffic. Like, how would you recommend people to set those up? Absolutely. If I'm hearing they didn't work um, and it's an industry, almost every industry that we've worked in, they work. Uh, un unless you're B2B with a highly complex, long-term, high-dollar sale, paid search works. It works really well. So what you probably did want wrong was just as you said it, you didn't have the right landing page that clearly demonstrated your value proposition versus the other PCPs in your area or the other orthopedic surgeons. You didn't have the appointment request form on there. And most likely what you didn't do was track the results. So you went on a feeling that it didn't work instead of call, tra uh, sorry, tracking your calls so that you knew exactly how many calls came from your Google ad campaigns and tracking your email uh, request form so you know exactly how many email forms came from your Google ad campaigns. If you know those numbers every month, how many leads you drove for the ad spend that you had, you're most likely going to think that the uh, paid search campaigns worked. And you don't have to set all this up yourself. I can give you guys some tips on how to get this rolling in a quick way for those that are not marketers at heart. Oh, well, yeah, definitely do that. <laughs> I've got my pen and paper ready here. Yeah, absolutely. So, <clears throat> you know, I am not a physician. I'm not an MD. I'm not a NP. But you guys are. Everybody that's listening, most likely y'all are. You're nurses and you're looking to start your own practice. But you're not marketers, right? And it's really important to understand that. I do want you all to understand what drives your business forward. But you don't necessarily need to execute those campaigns yourself. So I want y'all to find the help. And the best place to find the help for a really small practice or a business just getting started is with hourly contractors. I highly, highly recommend going to Upwork.com. Upwork.com, I can't say that enough, and hiring who you're going to need there, okay? Don't think of contractors as all the Filipinos and Indians and the poor quality of yesteryear. That's not what it is anymore. There's actually plenty of Filipinos and Indians that are doing great, great work, and you can work with them. But you can also choose to work with only Americans, and you're going to get really skilled specialists that know what they're doing and are going to charge you on an hourly rate and can inform you of the marketing strategy that you'll need and then you'll go find the specialists that do your Google and your Facebook ads, and you'll have three or four people going all the time on your marketing campaigns. 
Yeah, and I think that's a really important part because I think there's a kind of mentality when you're first starting out, you see all this money flowing out and then you think, oh, well, I'll just do the marketing myself because it seems to be some of this like nebulous thing and maybe I'll, I'll read a book on how to do Google ads or, or something like that. And it was like one of those tough things that I had to come to, like, I can't be everything in the business and grow it at the same time. So this has to be like an investment that you just... It, it has to be part of the budget. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can't do everything all the time. So get this to where it's running in a powerful and consistent way. It cannot do, it can not be powerful and it cannot be, it cannot be consistent if you are directly responsible for it because that's where the bottleneck comes in, the business owner. Every darn time, it's the business owner clogging things up. You don't <laughs> respond to the content approval fast enough for the blog post. You don't know which ads you want to go to. You don't approve the landing page. You cannot be hold it. You can't hold things up. You got to delegate these things out to responsible contractors. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, you know, and, and I think that's a, a really great point. And so just for a perspective, like a money perspective, because I think that's another place where people get sticker shock, you know, they want to spend like a 100 bucks on their marketing campaign. And, and that's just not gonna, that's just not gonna cut it. Like, for a, a beginner that's getting out there that is trying to test out their their funnel such that they, they're driving paid traffic to, let's say, a landing page and making sure that it works. Like, what would you recommend to, to start out money-wise with this type of aspect? Mm -hmm. Yeah, tough to say because some industry, some medical specialties cost a lot more for a click. Like rehab, you'll pay $100 for a click. An orthopedic surgeon will be eight. Urgent care could be two. A PCP could be $1 a click on AdWords. So what I'd rather you start with is thinking about what's the value customer, what's the patient lifetime value? So let's take three years of a patient and how much is that worth to your practice? Okay. Once you get a number for that, then you'll understand what you're willing to pay to drive that patient to your practice. If it's a thousand dollars is the average patient lifetime value. Are you willing to spend a hundred, 200, 300, maybe 600 in the beginning while your overhead is low and you just need to get people in. So they start referring other people and your cost per patient goes down. Once you understand that, you take that to the contractors you hired and the people that are going to do your Google advertising, you say, listen, I can pay right now $500 cost per patient. So do you think you could drive? How many leads will it take to get a patient? And you start working that back. If you're tracking your results every month, how many calls and leads, how much traffic my landing page got, you'll start to backtrack into how many patients, leads, and the cost per lead and patient that you have. You need to run these campaigns for six months. Please do not start this unless you're willing to commit to six months. Too often I see the stop and start and then the comment, it didn't feel like it was working. <laughs> yeah. So that, that time factor is important. So the money factor becomes, I mean, once you have a funnel that works, once you have, you, you figured out that um, cost per click, what it costs you and what your lifetime value is, then it just becomes a math equation, right? Like how many people do you want? And this is how much it's going to cost. You factor that in. That's and it. then that time frame, which like you said, is something that it, it's so easy to, uh, to give it three days and say, you know, I spent a hundred bucks and oh my God, I didn't get anybody. And <laughs> it's just, yeah. And you know, like, then you're spending too much on your rent and things like that. Like you overdid it on the other expenses is what I often see. Like you didn't anticipate how much marketing would cost. Start really small guys. Don't go get the office unless you need it. Obviously if you're seeing patients get something really, really humble. Don't get the front office person if you don't need her yet. Like, work your way up to these things because you need to save money for patient acquisition. 
Right. Yeah. Because without the patients, you don't have a business to bring them to. Right. Exactly. Right. Get that sometimes, yeah. So would you like um, how it, if you were so let's say we have a person, a nurse that's a nurse practitioner, she's about to start uh, or she's in the planning stages of starting her business. Like when do you bring marketing into all of this? Oh, man, from the very beginning, I would, if I'm even thinking about starting a business, I'm going directly to LinkedIn to see who knows anything about this. I'd probably be hiring you immediately sitting in your webinars, going to training sessions. I would be finding out what the key to patient acquisition is before I start it. And then I'd also understand that everything I learned will probably go out the window when I start, but I'll have some reference pieces that I learned that could help me pivot. I'd really understand that I'm going to pivot. I mean, I started Cardinal as a web design firm. We built a website 10 years ago, so ugly that we pivoted to marketing. <laughs> and so that's how quickly I had this whole business model of starting a web. And usually that's what I hear, that it starts as something and very quickly becomes something else. So be ready to adapt very quickly. Uh, but the, the, the business owners and the medical groups that I find are most successful understand one thing better than anyone. How do I acquire a new patient? That's what they learn. They take it upon themselves to learn marketing well enough to learn how to acquire a new patient and they hire the contractors to execute upon that plan. Yeah, that's great. So tell us um, more about how you got into your business because I want to hear about that. Yeah, so I started, my family owned a pinball dealership, pinball machine dealership. Okay, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, growing up, yeah, it was awesome. We had like 40 in the house, 800. We were the biggest uh, at one point. And since we were... 1990 so I was six years old we went to the pinball store every weekend worked on the pinballs like we were a hard-working family and um, when I turned 16 my dad started having me sell them on eBay so I had to create the designs the landing pages I built the website I got it ranked number one for pinball sales across the country on like Alta Vista whatever the heck it was back then and then I graduated from college there were no jobs in 08 and I said I called my good friend up and I said we need to start a business why don't we start a web design company because I made one of those 10 years <laughs> I made a website one time. <laughs> and so we started Cardinal. We started cold calling, 100 cold calls a day. And then, uh, and then eventually we landed some medical clients and we kind of built from there. But um, yeah, we're 10 years in now and things are really good, but it can take that long. Like, you know, I think people are going in with some false pretenses of how long it takes to become successful. Right. So now you mentioned the cold calls, and I think that's another aspect of, of um, marketing that people underestimate. Like, you know, it, it's another area where they'll say, well, you know, I called one person this week and they didn't respond. I mean, you were making 100 cold calls. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and I'm going back to it again. I'm building a sales and marketing team, and I don't believe in leading and, and asking anyone to do something you're not willing to do yourself. So we're cold calling again. I've, been, I've spent the week cold calling medical groups and uh, getting back in the swing of things. But yeah, you're going to get hung up on 99 times and that one person a day will say, yes, come meet me. Two of them won't actually show up to the meeting. I still have a picture of me at the first meeting with this barbershop in Jonesboro, Georgia. The guy didn't show up and I'm pissed off. I said, take a picture of me, Stephen, my partner, because if I don't think this will be the last time we get stood up and if we become successful, it'll be cool to see that uh, this guy lost out, not us. And so you're going to get rejected a ton. You have to. And I think nurses have a certain pedigree to deal with kind of rejection and hardship. I mean, that job itself, you see a lot of tough stuff, tougher stuff than getting rejected on a cold call. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But, you know, there, there's something about that 
um, fear of calling people cold and, and you know, because you see, and even like on LinkedIn, like how many messages a day do you get of, of people just kind of cold calling you and it's just kind of like you, you reject, reject, reject. But it, again, it's, it can be a numbers game where yep. all you need is like a couple people to accept. Yeah, it's rejection until it adds value to your day. And so you can't take it personally if that person's not in the buying funnel, if they're just not ready for what you need. But when someone cold calls or reaches out to any one of us, and we need what they were selling, it's been on our mind, that's valuable. If you educate me on that, that's even more valuable. So you can't look at it as harassment, like you're gonna go out there and bother people. You gotta look at it as how can I provide value and educate and the right people will appreciate that. And you're gonna be scared. I'm posting my first LinkedIn video this week and I'm scared out of my mind to do it. Like I've been pacing, should I shave, should I not shave? Like I'm like <laughs> nervous as all get out and I've been doing this thing for a decade. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. It's it's really coming out of your comfort zone, and it, it that's yeah. something that I teach too. And and you know, I remember the first video that I did. I actually did like a mini course on how to do videos because I was so petrified. And you know, the first video, like I think I purposely sabotaged myself. I would show up in like frumpy clothes. My hair is bad. The lighting's bad. And I'm like, see, I can't do video. I look horrible. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we self sabotage all the time. But now you're great at it, and you got in your comfort zone, and now you're getting to do what you're so passionate about, which is like the pinnacle of success doing something you love yeah and, and that's what you know, my, my nurses are doing and like they are doing what they love they're passionate about this and like I really think that this is the one piece that is missing and I think it's like the biggest piece is the marketing piece because uh, to me putting the business idea together that concept uh, I think that's the easy part honestly this is the part that's that takes the most effort, takes you out of your comfort zone. And the other thing that I found is that marketing has, um, when I do marketing, it, it exposes every flaw in my personality that I have yeah. and every problem I've ever had to deal with in my personal life comes out in marketing because I find myself resistant. Well, I don't want to cold call. Why don't I want to cold call? Because, you know, and I have to yeah. go back and figure it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And you just have to get over that hurdle. And that's the real key to success. So your nursepreneurs that are looking to launch their own, uh, their own venture, they're looking for freedom. They're not really looking to make 200K, but the 200K gives them freedom. You guys, you're only going to get the freedom when you overcome all of your fears and obstacles. And then you're going to get the sense of purpose and know that you achieved things that a lot of other people were scared to do, that you were scared to do for some time. That the money, the L of the success that comes from being an entrepreneur, it really just buys us freedom and choices. It buys us the option to sit at home here at 11:20 Eastern and chat about this instead of having to scuttle off to an office where some we're an employee of someone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which is also another aspect of this, right? So as your company grows and you start stepping out of kind of that role of being the provider in the office that you run, it's kind of you're running the office. Uh, and what was kind of your evolution going through that? And how many people do you have working with you now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Um yeah, I remember uh, in the early days, you're doing the invoicing, cleaning the toilets when they need to be cleaned. You're um, the account manager, the salesperson. You're doing all the fulfillment. You're seeing the patients. I'm trying to relate it to uh, B2C because we were a little different. And then you have to make the jump of hiring the first person. You'll know when to do it. It's when you're losing your mind and your husband or wife is looking at you and saying, we haven't had a nice talk in three months like this is ridiculous. You're tired all the time. You'll know when it's time. And then you're going to look at your bank account and you're going to say, but I'm going to make 5K less a month if I hire this person. And that's going to eat at you. And I need y'all to get over that and say, not I'm going to lose 5K a month, but 
if I hire this person, I can make 15K more a month when they're fully up to speed in six, six months. Yeah, absolutely. And that's been a, a big factor for me because, you know, I'm hiring assistants right now because I'm like, I, I just don't want to do the all the little things that could be done by somebody else. And if yeah. you think of the 80-20 rule, you know, 80% of this stuff could be just outsourced and that would give me so much more time to focus on the big ticket things that will actually generate money for the business um, as opposed to, you know, cleaning the toilets is important. Yes, but you know, you could hire somebody for $15 an hour to do that, but you can't hire somebody for $15 an hour to do your your business strategy. Correct. That's the second evolution. You've gotten to that second, third tier of where you are able to hire people and you have the revenue and income stream to do so and to get those low level things. I'm trying to get the rest of my team to do that. I've opened Upwork up to all of them. I say, guys, if this is something that can be done by someone that's 10 to $15 an hour, please remember what I'm paying you and make the right decision. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so I, I think that's really important. So what are some more kind of like key strategies that you teach um, your clients or that you do for your, your medical clients in terms of a marketing strategy? So you do paid search, the, the medical professionals um, do the, presumably they, they go door to door or at least try and develop relationships with people. Yeah. But um, if you were putting together like a whole marketing strategy package for somebody, the door to door paid search, um, what else would you think is important? Yeah, SEO and reputation management. So I'll start with SEO first. So on the Google results page, when you type in primary care physician in your local area, um, you're going to have ads come up at the top. And then below that, you're going to have a map and below that listings. And those are called organic listings. So that those ads at the top, that's called Google paid search. You got to pay for every one of those clicks. Highly recommend that. Make sure you're tracking everything like we talked about. The maps is largely largely driven by how close you are to the patient that's looking for your services. Okay. So you need to have the right keywords and your practice name in there, and then you have to get lots of reviews pointed there, okay? And then below that is SEO, is organic listings. That takes time to show up there. You have to build lots of great content. Make sure you talk about every disease, treatment, service, location that you have, every provider. You want as much content on your site as possible, tagged with the location you're in. Every page tagged with the location you're in. I can't specify that enough, okay? So Google knows where you're at and who to send patients, where to send patients. Um, Maps, organic, Google AdWords. Those three things are the most important because they show up on the first page of Google. Um, Once people become acquainted with you or they're referred to you, they're going to go and look up your reputation, right? They're going to go type in Dr. Hurley online, and we've got to make sure what people are seeing on vitals, rate MDs, et cetera, looks really good. So get as many patients early on as possible to leave your reviews on Google, rate MDs, vitals, and any other physician directory that's specific to your niche. Plastic surgeons have different ones, orthopedics, uh, addiction has various uh, directories. So just whatever vertical you're in, like, make sure you look really good there. Yeah, the, the plastic surgeons, I think, have done a really good job of branding themselves and, and doing all these things. And then the rest of healthcare just kind of, you know, dwindles from there. So <laughs> it's a lot of work to be done. But, you know, so it might be worth looking to see what they do. But um, so the the whole, like, branding yourself and having those reviews out there, I think is really important. Um, And not just like, 
you know, I wrote an article in, in the Journal of American Medical Association that nobody, no layperson could possibly understand, but maybe having some content that is relevant to the audience that you're trying to attract might be important. Correct, guys. Don't worry about yourself or MDs. Think about the patient, okay? I have a lot of clients. I personally manage an eight-location neurosurgery clinic here in Atlanta, the best neurosurgeons in the country, in my opinion, and their opinion as well. And every month I post blogs and it'll be, uh, it'll be like, how do, you, how do you care for your back to make sure you don't need spine surgery? Like how to do the right yoga poses. And they're like, Alex, what the hell do you have yoga poses on a neurosurgery practice? <laughs> Guys, it's not about you. We're not trying to get into any kind of journal here. It's about your patients and educating them on how to stay safe and healthy. So, so true. Keep, the patient, keep the patient in mind. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm laughing um, mostly because I work with neurosurgery too. It's up here in Philadelphia. So, um, you know, our, our neurosurgeons, I'm sure, rival yours down there in Atlanta. But uh -huh. um, anyway, like they right. pride themselves on the most cryptic, uh, <laughs> the most cryptic like articles that they've written. And you're just like, oh my God, like nobody's reading that stuff. Yeah. Whereas, we had a resident one time that left and went out to wherever, Minnesota or something, and he did this commercial where he's like hugging his patients and stuff, and the neurosurgeons were laughing, and I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry, but he's laughing his way to the bank because yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. you just don't get it. That's going to work. That's going to work, and patient testimonials work really well. It's all about the patient. You guys got to dumb it down. And neurosurgeons, you probably can't dumb it down because you're too damn smart. So just find some marketers. We're, we're dumb enough to work with you. <laughs> Absolutely. So how would you encourage uh, to get patients to do reviews for you? Because that can be painful. It can be painful, but necessary. Because if you don't do it, what you're going to have happen is all the negative Nancy's are going to leave you reviews, right? So I don't go leave reviews when I have a good experience. Like that never happens, unfortunately. But when I'm pissed off, I go leave a review. Same thing's going to happen to you. So unless you go get the positive polys and ask them and harass them, to leave you a positive uh, review, it's not going to happen. So upon checkout, <clears throat> really important to make sure you ask them. You hand them a card that has the links on them for RateMDs or Google or Yelp. And then you follow up your front office admin or you, if you're just starting to practice, you need to email and call until they leave a review. You're just going to have to do it. Until you have more reviews and uh, better average rating than your competitors, you can't stop hustling that. Um, and then once you do, just get enough to stay ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you think about, so if you do get a negative review, do you um, encourage people to respond to it or just leave it alone or? It, can, it depends. Um, oftentimes, yeah, you should respond. Um, what we find with most of our medical groups is that it's actually not the MD's fault. It almost always falls on the admin uh, front office. It took too long to check in. They were rude to me upon checkout. They couldn't get my insurance right. That's usually where it's falling. Um, so the, you know, the nursepreneurs, single or Tulu physician practices, I, I, you're not going to get a lot of negative views. If you do, it's, it's probably the MD's fault because you don't have a big front office yet and you really need to think about what's going on. Uh, but yeah, respond if you feel, I would most often, I would most often say, um, you should respond and do not do it the same day the review is left because you're going to be too heated. It's going not, it's not going to be objective enough. You just want to respond with facts and be kind and give them your direct cell phone line to reach out to. Yeah. Take a, take a deep breath because <laughs> there's that, that compulsion that you just want to like almost attack the other, the person that's attacking you and it's, it just makes it worse. And then, so the reason I asked this is because, um, you know, I, I know people that, 
they've got a negative review and then they respond and then the person responds again and then it just kind of like keeps bumping it up in the rankings. So when somebody does Google you, they find the negative reviews. That's true. I have not responded. Uh, we got a couple negative reviews on a, on a job website and I don't respond because I don't want it to continue moving up in Google. You're going to have to use, that's why I say use your best judgment <clears throat> on these. If it's just one out of 10, Go ahead and respond because it's going to make you look good. They like the one negative review. You really try to help that person out. Yeah. And I can say from personal experience, I do appreciate when the owner comes back and says something positive or thank you for this feedback. We've made improvements or something. I think right. a positive twist on that as opposed to them saying something snarky, which just kind of makes mm -hmm. them look bad. It makes you look bad, even though you're probably right. And that was an oh no patient. And as soon as you hear their name, Dr. Or, uh, Steve's coming in, oh no. Like those oh no patients are, you know, and then you see them leave you and like, of course Steve left the review, <laughs> you know, like, but as me, Cindy, looking at a potential to come into your practice, like, I don't know that guy that left the review. So do not respond with any kind of criticism. Just fake it till you make it. All right, so door-to-door -door or uh, personal contact, paid search with Google Ads, and do you think Facebook works as, as well or is Google better because it's more yeah. kind of like they want something? Yeah, exactly. They're raising their hand. They're hand raisers on Google, right? And so look at Facebook and LinkedIn, things like that. It's a billboard. It's important. You want people to be uh, aware of your brand, but when your budget's really small, go for the hand raisers. Don't go and just blanket your message across the interwebs. Um, Google's more important. Uh, Facebook, people just hear social media a lot and they use it personally. So I think as a business, that's the first place we go. That should be the last place you go. Okay. So for that social media, you would, would you recommend people to set their business up on like Instagram and, and that kind of stuff? Or is it just not necessary? Absolutely not. Unless you have someone that's going to update it frequently, because as a one or two person business, I bet you're not going to update it frequently. It's just going to look like dead content a year later. It's going to look like your practice is dying. Don't do it unless you have someone that's going to frequently update it uh, and really focus on Google to start with. Now, more advanced businesses, Facebook, Insta, LinkedIn, great. Great for them because they have marketers that are going to keep them updated, fresh content, drive leads. So until you have the resources to hire an assistant to take Instagram pictures and update it, whether it's daily or, or every other day, it's just not worth having. Correct. In my okay. Yeah, not. It's kind of like coming to a website and they're like, uh, you know, it's 2018 and you're like, hmm, <laughs> no. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the copyright's like 2016. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the paid search, Google ads would recommend SEO, the organic listings, getting, uh, mapping your, your uh, business with uh, reviews, especially having the right keywords, getting patients to review you on these different elements um, getting is content that's relevant to your uh, to your group or to your patients and also getting your name on uh, what are some of like the major is it like health watch or uh, leapfrog do you recommend your clients to like update their picture and make sure their info is all correct all the time cv resume everything and make sure you're on linkedin personally as a provider nurse whatever it is like make sure your information is correct across all directories oh that's huge i actually that was uh, one thing i came across because i was writing a book for springer and uh, i needed nurse practitioners to author the book and i could not find them like even when you go to the, some of these university websites and stuff they don't tell you what their specialty is so i found 
almost 90% of that book, it was a huge book, um, through LinkedIn, just because somebody said, I'm an endocrine nurse practitioner, or I'm a nephrology nurse practitioner. I'm like, well, you're also a, an author in my book. Because <laughs> That's right. I contacted them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It leads to a lot more. Yeah. You know, I think part of the issue that we run into here is nurse practitioners don't go to business school. They don't sit in a lot of marketing classes. And so you're like, you're really missing, you have a lot of the medical knowledge, but you're missing a lot of the business type stuff. And like, I think, you know, my stepmom's an NP and, uh, and she was with endocrine. Now she's with nephrology group, I think. Anyways. And, um, and so I've seen it. I got her on LinkedIn. I've helped her start her own like profile and things. You've got to start thinking as a business person, right? You always have to be looking for the next job opportunity or the way to move up. The way to look up, the way to move up is to not present yourself just as an MP, but as a businesswoman on the way up. Okay. And kind of last thing as we wrap this up, uh, what does, does your business, uh, does Cardinal uh, Marketing, does it help like these small businesses or are you a digital agency for uh, just larger practices or who do you serve exactly? Yeah. So we have an SMB division that helps two, three location uh, primary cares and orthopedics. And we have an enterprise division that will help the 160 location dental groups. They have two very different needs, the amount of data processing and things like that. And so we split the two teams because it's a different mentality uh, that they both need help. But if, you, uh, if you're looking for any kind of education, I wrote the book on medical marketing. It's called The Anatomy of Medical Marketing. It's on Amazon. If you want it for free, um, just shoot me an email. Uh, find me through our website or LinkedIn, Cardinal Digital Marketing. If you type in healthcare marketing agency, we should be towards the top. We do our jobs right. Um, <laughs> and uh, find me there and I'll shoot you out a copy of that. We have tons of really good content on the Cardinal site for our medical practitioners. Oh my God, that's an, an amazing gift. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I'm going to shoot you an email right after this. Um, okay. All right, awesome. Uh, do you have any like last words or, or pointers that you that you want to give the audience? Yeah, absolutely. Don't give up. You know, the path to freedom, it's like what we say here in America, the uh, freedom ain't free, right? And so we're all trying to get the freedom of owning our own business and setting our own schedule and not having someone tell us what to do every day. It's not easy, but it is worth it. Alex, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been uh, hugely beneficial and uh, I know it's going to be greatly appreciated. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Katie.